1: mobilized by the secret masters they are the department of nerdly affairs hello operatives and
2: welcome to the department of nerdly affairs i'm your host rob patterson here's my co-host don chisholm
0: this podcast will self-destruct in 30 seconds
2: God, I hope not. All right. So tonight we are going to be talking about spies in popular culture and to join us into this trek into skullduggery and cloak and daggery stuff. We have recruited the most cloak and daggery person we know, Jack Ward. Oh, you used my real name. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Sorry, man. Sorry. Um, we've recruited Agent J. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Agent, Agent J.
3: Thank you so much. It's much better. <laughs> <laughs> How are you tonight, folks?
2: We're doing well. Thank you. Um, so to start off with, um, I thought we'd discuss, well, what is a spy? or And how is a spy different than a secret agent?
0: Don, please give us some clarity. What's, what's going on here? Well, we were discussing this a little bit before the show, and I, I think this is going to be one of those areas where there's going to be a fair bit of overlap. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are going to have different perspectives because, in real life, a spy is is in simplest terms somebody that you hire to sneak in somewhere and do something they're not supposed to do. Right, makes sense. In pop culture, we've got the idea of of and and we were we were sorting this out before. It's it again a lot of overlap. You've got spies, which mm-hmm. are essentially that they're people who are going places and doing things they shouldn't for some, usually for some organization. Mm-hmm. You've got like super spies, which are that with weird gadgets. Mm-hmm. You've got like secret agents. Secret agents are kind of t- difficult to pin down because they're kind of implied to be working for say like some kind of civil authority or government.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But Often secret secret agents can almost even be like undercover police in a way
1: or even
2: undercover detectives i mean when i think of a secret agent i usually do think of a agent of the government but agent means that they're secretly working for someone that's what agent means right Mm -hmm. uh secret agent so therefore i i i i think they're synonymous but Um, as just before the show, Jack pointed out that if you do searches for them, you'll fuck, you'll get different results on Google. So obviously a lot of people do think of them differently.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that sort of makes me think about it though, is like spying is espionage Mm. and espionage is basically the, you, you obtain secret or confidential information, uh, from somebody. You can be a secret agent and not do that you can be like a sleeper agent that is just there to insert yourself or what your culture or ideas into something you're not actually pulling secret information out of some place you know what i mean that's so true a spy literally goes and spies stuff a secret agent could you could have secret agents that really have done next to nothing other than report back what they've seen in a culture
2: Mm, true, or
3: or 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 a job in that way. It may not even be stuff that is like highly sensitive, but they just want to know what's this guy's life like, so that they can you know come in with a honeypot or something like that. So, secret agent, um, spying. I think why you know spying tends to spies tend to be much more deeply trained in mm-hmm. sub. Well. in in all sorts of different ways of gaining information through extraordinary means. So you think of like mission impossible, right? Those are like the, right. They're, they're not people. There are people who sort of get parachuted into an area. They don't have to create an alternate ego to the same degree very often. Sometimes they do. Um, Mm -hmm. but I mean, they're not sitting there for 10 years building up their, (laughs) their cred, Mm -hmm. Before they, they, they move off or, or even six months, it's usually very quick. They go in, pretend there's somebody else or just sneak under the defenses, whatever way they do. So.
2: Right. Although I will add and we'll get to Mission Impossible later because I do want to talk about it a little bit because it's a very unique spy series. Um, Which one the of the things that happens is the movies. We're talking about the TV series. The movies okay. are their own thing. Um, yeah. They're nothing alike nothing at all we'll 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 talk about that later um but one of the things about the at least the original tv series is that people have often pointed out that at the beginning of each episode they're given their assignment and then the assignment starts but we don't know actually what the delay between those assignment between the mission being given and the assignment starting actually is it could be years or months we actually don't know it's implied to be a fairly short period of time, but it's also told that they've been setting up for a while and that there are things going on behind the scenes. Again, mostly implied, but we don't really don't know. So they actually do sometimes imply that they actually are at it for a little while, that they're not just jumping right into it, that there are stages to what's going on. Anyway, we'll get to that when we actually get to Mission Impossible.
3: You're right. Um, There's a huge overlap for sure. Yeah.
2: Because
0: yeah. yep. you know what you guys... I think might be be getting at, mm-hmm. it might be that the distinction, if 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 if, if you choose one. to make one, yeah, is um, between say a spy, a super spy, and a secret agent, isn't a content, uh, distinction. It's a presentation one. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So the idea is, a super spy, is a kind of story that features like larger than life escapes and like world crushing Mm supervillains a spy story is one that's a little more grounded it's about tension it's about near misses it's about like flawless timing and a secret agent story is basically that but the emphasis is more on the melodrama instead of the actual mission
2: possibly Mm -hmm. possibly
0: Hmm.
2: um in that sense there aren't a lot of actual secret agent stuff like there's some, but not as much. Most of it is actually, at least most American stuff, I should say, is mostly of the spy or super spy variety. And at least until recently, anyway. There have been some that were more um, like, oh, there's a series called The Americans, and there's right. also another one called was the one that was Super Homeland that came out, Homeland. and and that's a that you could argue is a little more drama ish than it yep. is on the uh, on the spy side. But again, it depends.
3: Okay, that's, but that's, you could argue too that at least the first couple seasons that the guy who was coming back who was working for Muslim terrorists was a mm-hmm. spy and they were trying to uncover that. So right. The secret yeah. agents were working to be able to uncover and see if he was a, you know, an agent or double agent or whatever like that. Mm-hmm, so for mm-hmm, that reason.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's true um and so but we'll we'll get to the modern stuff later on so okay so well why don't we delve back into history a little bit so we know from historical records for the most part that there have been spies pretty much since the beginning of time <laughs> i mean mm. the first spy was probably one tribe of cavemen sending a dude over to the other tribe of cavemen basically saying hey fellow cavemen can i uh, have a seat here and gathering information and then coming back again Or going over and planting rumors about, hey, you know, that tribe over the hill is going to be invading soon. You guys should keep an eye on them. You know, that (laughs) kind of thing. And so that's always been going on. And so Mm -hmm. it's really hard to pin down, you know, when the first spies in popular culture probably appear. Because I think they've been with us pretty much since the beginning of storytelling. Um, Yeah. I would imagine that there are probably, I don't know this for sure, but there are probably references to spies or their equivalent in old Greek plays somewhere
3: well there certainly isn't shakespeare too right yeah there are people who show up in shakespeare uh plays who are spies for various different uh king well rosencrantz and Guildenstern. yeah that's true they're, they're spies for for the king uh to, to to uh watch hamlet at the
2: time yeah exactly
3: but so I, 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 I that idea has think...
2: always been with us mm-hmm
3: is that popular culture or is that high drama? Like for me, when we talk about the the stuff that we do in DNA, um, for me, the, the the first one that I think that would come up would be the Scarlet Pimpernel.
1: Ah,
0: that's mm. exactly what I was thinking.
2: Interesting choice. Yes, I, I actually, I concur. I agree with that.
0: Yes. I'd, I'd still go with Shakespeare. And because and, I always make the, the, the argument that it's high drama now. But what made Shakespeare unique was that he wrote high drama for the masses. Hmm.
3: right That's true.
0: That Shakespeare was and, and this will make a lot of people sad for different reasons, maybe but Shakespeare was the trash TV of his day. Yeah. Yes, he was.. Yeah. And, and that's why, like if you, if you ever read it, the people in authority are always idiots, the rich and the powerful are always assholes. And when, when except you think
3: for the historicals, except the historical for historicals and the queen. Oh, I, I yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah, the queen, sure, but <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: but even the historical ones, he would, uh, the was it King Henry, was it the my kingdom for a horse guy was apparently not the uh, the misshapen like troll that Shakespeare made him out to be,
3: yes, that's Are true. You, I, well, Richard, of course, ah, who, like, yeah, that's it, played with the hunchback, for, that yeah, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, Henry yeah. is usually pretty, pretty noble throughout that, because yeah. that's that's tied with with the the queen of the time, and so he was always trying to get in good with them.
1: Mm-hmm,
2: exactly, that's what I was saying. He... Okay, Don, but sorry, sorry, to interrupt, but but mm-hmm. Shakespeare wasn't writing any stories that were specifically about
3: spies and spying. He
2: was Julius writing... Caesar.
0: Okay, okay, maybe you got me.
3: <laughs> sorry, I missed what you said there. Sorry. <laughs>
0: julius caesar i would say is is is, it's it's an espionage story ultimately
3: what what no because they're just it's a plot to kill him they're not Mm -hmm. trying to get any information or anything no but just it's just an assassination plot is that a spy thriller an assassination
0: it i would say yeah because that's um Spies don't necessarily, especially in pop culture, spies don't necessarily just gather information. James Bond eliminates targets, and he's kind of the, what everybody thinks of. And the whole thing, Julius Caesar, it's all about—if not specifically a spy story—it's all about espionage. Hmm. They're they're plotting against the ruler. They're they're scheming. The the ruler. So
3: does that mean every hitman show is a spy show?
0: Actually, what I was gonna say. 'Cause you guys talked about we'll get to like more modern stuff later. Right. That that ties in with what something that I think is gonna come up because I think there are two derivations from this the, the classic spy story that happened in the nineteen seventies. Right. Cool. And you're you're kinda we'll hitting on one. Of...
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. In due we'll... time
2: we'll get to them in due time all right but back to what was mentioned earlier actually i'd say the scarlet pimper now yeah i think you're you're really on about that i mean because mm-hmm. we here we've got the the dude with his army of secret agents who's secretly going into revolutionary period france and helping um the the good nobles escape the the terror of the revolution and everything and um yeah he's this, he's definitely a secret agent. He's he's almost a super spy in a way, actually. Because he even employs like special techniques. And he's both the first super spy and the first superhero at the same time.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he employs all the elements that we would see to be nerddom, you know, in a nerddom mm-hmm. story. If it came out today, um, it could be in a comic book. It could be in a pulp series. It could, you know what I mean? Like, if they took mm-hmm. that idea, they could easily become... I could see cosplay... Easily, yeah. the Scarlet Infernal. <laughs> so, but it's harder to see that taken from, like you said, Julius Caesar and high drama in that same mm-hmm. way. But I, I see your point, though. It, it's, it is a good point to make.
0: So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, um, go on. Yeah, sorry. Well, cause again, I think it's, it's that idea that, um, what you're, what you're seeing is, is kind of that intellectual drift. Mm hmm. And it's, it's that idea that it can be hard to pig down exactly what these terms mean because they change over time. Mm. And the concept of how things works changes over time. Because when you go back to Shakespeare, Shakespeare plays, from the ones that I, I can recall, they have a lot of secret agents, but they're usually like tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. I will give you this bag of gold to spy on the king. And then that guy comes back two acts later. He's doing this. Well, that's the spy story part of it. And that's definitely, he's some kind of like spy secret agent thing going on, but he's not necessarily the focus.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think,
0: it, I think again, cause even in, in Shakespeare's time, there was a lot of espionage going, going on within, within England and England and the rest of Europe.
2: Yeah. As I said, it's been going on since the beginning of humanity, basically. We've been spying and espionage and everything to other tribes, whatever. So there's you, you'll find it in uh, ancient Chinese records from thousands of years ago. You'll find references to spies and secret agents and all that stuff. It's all there.
0: Oh, hell, it's in uh, the Sun Tzu. Uh,
2: oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sun Tzu references that as well. Yeah, he does.
3: And you have to really be in, in the employ of a greater power to be effectively be a spy or a secret agent. Don't you like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like you can be the prisoner of Zenda going in, pretending to be somebody else or the count of Monte Cristo or something like that, which, but it really makes you kind of, cause you also have crossover for that. Cause we're going to jump ahead a, a little bit, but the Saint, mm-hmm. who does he work yes. for? Right. Or, or stingray. Or <laughs> all of these no. other people that seem to be um spies of their own uh doing uh, the, the a team they don't work yeah. for anybody else, but mm-hmm. they are effectively an espionage group too,
2: yeah, they are, but there's there's a difference though because of course oh, they yeah? are really pulp heroes, sure. and they're pulp heroes that are you know out on their own. we don't really know who they work for in some cases they don't work for anyone. And right. so there's a certain point where spies and pulp heroes, I'd say, yeah, do go in different directions. And you, right. you really do have to be working for an organization. I agree with you hundred percent on yeah. that. Um, you, you could be though, you can be freelancers. Like there've been even in real history. Yes. There've been freelance spies or people who work for the highest bidder, mercenary spies as the case may be, and they'll okay, but they're still working for the highest bidder. They're still working for the rich and powerful or from, or for people with wealth or influence.
3: They could, mm-hmm. but how about *Turn*? Have you seen that? The uh, I don't know if it's out of Netflix. It, it is I on Netflix as well. I know of it, but I haven't seen it. It's basically the American Revolution, right? And so, uh, you people may not effectively be working for a particular uh, government, but they are working for an ideal. Mm. In the American Revolution, for America, right? But they, they they set themselves up as spies, right? So it's it's actually called turn Washington spies. Right. For that particular mm-hmm. reason. So it is really difficult to get a handle like on a very strong definition for this, isn't it? Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. I I think I think Jack is right, but I think the way to phrase it is that a true like spy or super spy or, or agent story, the character or characters, the protagonists do not act of their own agency like they're they're ultimately not the ones calling the shots. That's a good point because what happens what you guys are getting at with some of the ones where you've got like say the saint or the a team that branches off into something, and one of the two things I said that I think happens in the seventies is the only way I can call you can call them um the investigator story, which isn't quite right they're the the ronin story it's the idea that they're essentially a spy story without the uh without the overarching organization it's 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 a bunch of freelancers that are basically working of their own accord
2: well because ultimately they're cowboys most of them they're you know they're the cowboy that wanders into town and sees that injustice is being done and fixes that problem with his two shooting irons that's
0: what they are or they're the people like causing the in, in injustice in a couple of cases because that's going to come back later, or it it might not even be the 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 injustice, but they have an agenda of their own and that's what's what they're acting on. Hmm.
3: Ironically, that's the wild wild west that you that Rob was talking about because they do come in. They do act on their own, but they also have an organization that they're, I think they're the American Secret Service, if I remember correctly, or something like that. They
2: are, and actually, no, you're not quite right. He receives orders almost every episode.
3: Oh, okay, because I was was also thinking of the movie. It's been a while since I've seen the episodes. I watched most of them at one point.
2: Don't think of the movie. Don't think of the movie. Yeah, don't think of the movie, dude. (laughs) We pretend it doesn't exist. Like everyone else associated with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was pretty, yep.
3: pretty depressing. Yeah, no, no, because I was just watching
2: some episodes of that just a few months ago, actually. And no, actually, they receive orders. They're getting orders because they are secret agents.
3: Yeah, but how many How many episodes have you gone in? I've gone into three seasons, and, and I think at the very first season, it's really strong. They receive a lot of orders. But mm-hmm. there's some episodes where they actually go in and they're – they're not intending to work on a particular set of orders. They end up following that because it takes them to something else.
2: Yeah, Basically. I believe that that does that. But ultimately, they are still working for the government. Just sometimes Absolutely. they're like interpreting what they should be doing for the government <laughs> instead of actually receiving direct orders to go to point A and talk to person B and steal thing C. They're not always yeah. doing that. Well, Whereas- it's,
3: it's very much like Gunsmoke because he's a U.S. marshal right right so he's interpreting orders as needed to facilitate uh civilization in a particular territory right that reason okay
2: well well let's let's rewind a tiny bit and then we'll get we'll get to that in more detail okay so um so let's see so we had uh scarlet pimpernel and there definitely was early spy fiction even uh, joseph conrad wrote a book called the secret agent and um and and once the pulps came around there were definitely spies during the pulp era Mm -hmm. um can you guys name any of them
0: secret agent x
2: good good (laughs) enough (laughs) there we go um i think there were a bunch of others actually because again just you know they were looking for any opportunity for you know manly men of action to go out and know beat up saboteurs and if you're a spy that's a pretty good excuse or a secret agent of one kind or another Mm-hmm. um it definitely translated into radio and comic books yeah, um yeah. there were you know because remember especially once you get into the 30s and 40s especially as we approach world war ii there are japanese spies everywhere mm-hmm. and they have to be foiled by both costumed uh, heroes and they have to be foiled by good old american spies <laughs> and anti-spy smashers and things like
3: that mm-hmm. and counter spies which is one of the uh, two different shows called counter spy Right. So yeah, mm. one was Counter Spy, and one was um, uh, some uh somebody's name Counter Spy. David Hare Harding. David Harding Counter Spy.
1: Hmm. Um, there we go.
3: So certainly, yeah, those were. And then there was also a bunch of other things like Ned Jordan, Secret Agent. When I, which I have yet to hear, Secret Agent K Seven Returns. I've heard before. Um. So there's there's been a bunch of them, and of course, one of my favorites was. I was a communist for the FBI, which was great. So the guy plays, yep. you know, he's always a communist. And then he always sort of goes in and and finds their weak spot and then reports them. And they all uh, oh, the amount of communists that he got on that show <laughs> in the United States of America. You think that basically you know, all of Texas would be arrested right now, right? <laughs> Uh, but it, there, it was based on a series of stories based on true life stories as well from, from an actual, uh, agent. Those, yeah.
2: Right. There are commies everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, yeah, anyway. So, um, yeah, that's, and that was a big thing during that period and it was a good excuse for, you know, men of action to leap into action and do their thing, uh, to be to be a, to be an agent for the government of one kind or another. Although hmm. I would argue that a lot of the pulp heroes were, as we were just saying, mostly acting under their own volition. They often worked for someone, but they often weren't really on assignment. They were just right. kind of uh, they were out there looking for them commies or something like that. And oh, look, found one, and then they, they they take them down. The other thing I noticed, at least when you get about counterspine, that that tends to be a little more reactive. Like you're trying to find out, okay, well, what are these guys up to, and then how do we deal with them? So you're looking for spies that are already there, and yeah. you're not going out and, to and their country. to be
3: country. honest, the mm-hmm. counter spy uh, perspective, people seem to feel uh, a little better about it because mm-hmm. a spy by nature has to be a liar. That's true. So counter spy is a person who's actually catching is catching those damn liars. So you that's you Feel much better about those kind of heroes. It's kind of like. You know why you like the char- the the antagonist of Catch Me If You Can, mm-hmm. uh, because you know that even though this guy this guy a young kid and stuff like that, the other guy is really trying to you know uh, bring order to the chaos that this kid is doing kind of, mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. and he's do- he's doing the right thing for for the long term. So you appreciate played by Tom Hanks. Uh, you Good appreciate point. that character for that reason. So Counter Spies, I think people. Feel a lot more comfortable with, but mm-hmm. he's like everybody else. Is, once you think of spy, back in the day, it was always you know the first thing that came out of people's mouths was like matahari right? So mm-hmm.
2: that's true. Spies are you know evil figures in a lot of fiction, so mm-hmm. that so it makes sense that counter spies would be the you know they're, they're the noble people defending society against those evil saboteurs and counter, assassins and spies, right? Mm-hmm. And. That's true. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, that may be one of the reasons why characters, even though they are somewhat immoral, like the Saint, which you referenced earlier, who is, for all practical purposes, James Bond. Like, let's be yeah. honest. There's not a lot of difference between um, Vincent Price's Saint and James Bond. Like, if you listen to them... Yeah. And in fact, of course, the Saint with Roger Moore would mm-hmm. kind of be James Bond, actually, they, when they when they yes. made the Saint for TV. I mean, if you watch any of those episodes, it's like, this is a james bond tv series and he would of course (laughs) be bond later on too for that exact reason so Mm -hmm. you're right that they had to they kind of had to uh play a little loose with that but but that does kind of lead us into where i think is a good point for us to start and i think that ironically enough we're going to start with a show called secret agent Hmm. and i think that's one of the better places to start because in 1960, a show called Secret Agent premiered, starring Patrick McGowan. Mm-hmm. And this was a British series. Um, it was at least shown in America on CBS. Uh, originally, it was a half hour long. They're black and white. This is the 1960s. And it was about John Drake, who was a secret agent for the British government. I, do they actually tell you what who he works for exactly? Yeah. Like what agency?
0: Yeah, he's... he's isn't he... Uh, he's oh shoot it's been a little while i thought isn't he like uh the british representative to a nato or something
2: yeah that's right he's working for some kind of like nato spy agency or something like that Mm because that's that's the shtick of why he's you know a good guy defending peace and going around in a weird way you know who he almost is he's almost macgyver oh really (laughs) because because here's the deal actually i was i was reading about the secret agent and thinking about this he actively made a point of not using guns and not using Mm -hmm. weapons and his only weapon was his brain as he went around stopping saboteurs who were trying to cause trouble and interfering with foreign spies and such
3: this is why i'm confused was wasn't it called also danger man
2: that's the british name yeah
3: that's the british name for it right
2: Yep. I no I wasn't no actually that's not quite true isn't it that let me double check but I'm pretty sure the second season is called Danger Man I thought and that was because the Americans wanted it and then they made it made it an hour long okay where is it I have it here somewhere all right um
3: no it's a, yeah it was retitled Secret Agent in the United States for the revived series You're right I have it backwards John Drake. <laughs> yeah Yep, the so original it was, was danger originally man. danger man yeah that's I, yep. I remember danger man but i didn't remember a british version called secret agent so okay cool
0: yeah, yep yeah it's it, the easiest way to remember is the uh, secret agent song that every mm. was it johnny rivers exactly. did it exactly secret agent is america yeah. yeah
3: secret
2: agent man yeah that's the theme song for that show yeah exactly um not for the movie top secret which is a whole other thing but we'll, we'll, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later That's um one of my
3: favorite jokes in there
2: about the thing, so. yep okay so anyway so magoon had this and yeah mm-hmm. he he rarely carried or used a gun because he didn't want to magoon didn't want to send the message that violence was an acceptable solution to problems mm-hmm. huh where have i heard this before oh yes it's called macgyver and that's basically what he was he was macgyver because that's what macgyver did and he fought spies and everything it's it's macgyver it's just Mm -hmm. stars he just doesn't have a mullet (laughs) Uh, um and this starts in it appears in 1960 um and he's not exactly a super spy either and this is the interesting thing this is he's kind of a, a transitional character because of course he doesn't have the gadgets or any of that fancy fancy stuff. He's mostly just using his wits to outwit saboteurs and terrorists and such. It's just that he also doesn't build weird like machines or gadgets each week to like defeat them either, out, out of like paper clips and snowblowers and stuff. Yeah, they um, they
0: they do mm-hmm. use gadgets on the show, but they're not like uh, like super spy kind of gadgets. They're all it's it's fairly grounded because um, as I mm-hmm. recall. The whole point behind uh, Secret Agent was that Patrick McGowan thought James Bond and his ilk were stupid.
2: But here's he, the thing, right? The first James Bond movie hadn't premiered yet.
0: No, there but the were books no James were Bond movie at this point. Hmm? But the books were out. The yeah, books the were books crazy popular. Out, the
2: books were out, and the books were pop were somewhat popular. You're right. Mm. Um, but they no, the James Bond wouldn't actually premiere for two more. Doctor No wouldn't pop up for two more years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, this is the thing right people think uh, looking back it's easy to think that Danger Man or Secret Agent was a reaction to Bond but no it wasn't Bond actually had wasn't out yet same with the Avengers the right. Avengers oh. let me refer the British
0: Avengers which <laughs>
2: does not involve superheroes but is actually about secret agents
3: Yes.
0: <laughs> who are kind of superheroes they fight who, who, robots later on yeah, yeah they, they I was become so disappointed
3: as a kid when the Avengers came on television and it was like where are the Avengers? Because I didn't, I was I had been reading the comics for years and I didn't realize that their version of the Avengers had nothing to do with superheroes. I was just so depressed, <laughs> but it, it makes sense that danger man, the, the guy who created danger man, I thought that James Bond books were stupid because you know what his name was? Created hmm. the program, wrote most of the scripts
1: who
0: hmm.
3: Ralph smart. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm serious. That was his name. Smart.
0: That <laughs> was, that was probably Maguire.
3: Yeah, well, anyway. No, yeah, Patrick Patrick McGowan is the guy who starred, you're right. He probably yeah. said something about it specifically.
0: No, like, I think what that means he, is that he wrote probably it. Patrick McGowan using another name for, for oh, purposes. Oh, you think he
3: wrote them as well?
0: He wrote all kind because he did that with the prisoner, that most of the prisoner, he wrote them. He just used, it was, uh, what was it, like Gordon Everyman or something? Was, no, no, was no, no Ralph Smart name. was
3: a real person. You know? Was he? Yeah, oh, they, okay. they, they got him on Wikipedia, and he was born in 1908 and died at the age of ninety two. Wow. And he was out of Queensland, Australia, uh in oh, two thousand and one, okay. February twelfth. Um mm-hmm. so he's a director, screenwriter, television producer. And uh he they have a whole list of stuff that he did. Tons hmm. of films and everything like that too. Writing great right. so that, huh. that's that's one thing that we can say for sure at least unless somebody's right. really messed up this wikipedia page which is quite possible <laughs> bum, bum, bum.
0: right i th- i think that if that is his real name we know he got beat up a lot in school yeah <laughs> yeah
3: yep. that's right
0: yeah not so, so smart now so are
3: smart,
1: you smart hey yep. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs>
0: yeah i can exactly. i can totally see that <laughs>
3: yep
2: yep so 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 yeah we had um danger man slash secret agent and of course we had the avengers um the spy show which was apparently about a, originally about a dr david keel and he te- a doctor who teamed up with a super spy named john steed played by patrick rigney mm. and then then after the first season the doctor character the actor playing the doctor decided to take a hike And so they decided to make it all about Steed because that's all the audience cared about anyway. Mm -hmm. And so then he was teamed with a successive list of uh, beautiful young women who became his partners as he went Mm -hmm. around like foiling spies and robots and man-eating plants and uh, (laughs) evil organizations. And I'm not kidding about the man-eating plants. Um, No, you're not i used to watch it when i
0: was a kid i know you're not wow that's amazing
2: (laughs) well because if i remember right isn't it one of those shows that it started out pretty serious like a little bit of wink and nod but it was kind of but then just got progressively more um fantastic as it went on yeah yeah that's what i thought
3: So so fan theory is that he's actually the 14th doctor no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, That, that hmm. would make a great theory if he's killing all these plants and aliens and... Blah, 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 blah. He, he, well,
2: <laughs> technically, he could be the Doctor now, according to the current continuity, but that's an entirely different story.
3: Yeah. Well, there was a Doctor, of course, John Pertwee, who t- very much took on the spy kind of persona and spent he most did, of his time did.
2: on
1: Earth. Yeah. He yep. did.
2: Uh, although, keep in mind that the Avengers premieres before Doctor Who. There is no Doctor Who at this point. Um, sure of course because we're, we're t- still talking about i believe it's 61 for the yeah uh yeah 61 for the avenger but by the late 60s the spy craze will hit its peak and that's where we'll get the Pertwee doctor of yeah. course eventually um both of these shows would eventually be shown on american tv and in the few years a year or so after they premiered in england and they actually they created their own spy craze in england from these shows and then in 62 Dr. No hits the big screen and Americans of course start, suddenly think oh my god James Bond is awesome mm-hmm. and now, and it's quickly followed by in the 60s I believe there are like 7 Bond movies they're producing like almost one a year yeah. because when they are did, so damn when popular when did
3: Matt Helm come out? Matt
2: because Helm? because that was
3: Matt Helm was the American version of it was like Dean Martin <laughs> It's Matt Helm didn't you know that?
0: Oh, yeah. I, I always Very assumed...
3: bad James Bond ripoff. All
0: oh, 1966,
3: was a lot. Matt Helm, The Silencers. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the movies, kind of thing. But it, yeah, he's basically a fictional character created by author D- Donald Hamilton. He's a U.S. government counteragent, a man whose primary job is to kill or nullify enemy agents. Yep.
2: So he's Played he by Dean
3: Martin, which means you know he's going <laughs> to sing and drink while he's doing all of this. Right. <laughs> but I would but only Then watch... the Sky
2: Craze was fully under you know it was fully doing its thing right right Mm
0: -hmm. of course Um, i i would only watch dean martin in a spy movie if number one it was a dark gritty serious series and number two jerry lewis was a sidekick (laughs) 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 that i would watch (laughs) i wouldn't even be surprised if because they made so many
2: i wouldn't even be surprised if there is a jerry lewis spy movie that i'm forgetting about
3: oh for sure
1: yeah,
2: there probably oh. is some parody or something. Oh, about that, which are, which, hmm? there,
0: there, there, kind of is the original Nutty Professor is 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 with. Oh, that's right. Sort of, that's right. That's of that. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's another one of those kind of because because when when James Bond comes out, everybody just loses their minds for James Bond. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge phenomenon and it ends up everywhere and you get every possible permutation you can Mm -hmm. of the secret agent spy kind of thing to the point that the, the, I think the, the the nutty professor would be, it's, it's kind of like soft spy light kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Cause there's a, there's a of Disney films that come out around that time too, that are basically that kind of, spy movie light sort of thing
2: yeah everyone loves spies so therefore the villains are always you know basically enemy agents and so the hero falls into the spy or spy or counter spy role basically at some point in the movie to defeat them and then that's the big hero at the end right that's the big climax
0: that and the idea that some foreign power or hostile entity sends people in to steal the the great secret that yeah that somehow kurt russell discovered that makes him a super genius or or <laughs> i i i think even geez wasn't uh shoot wasn't the one of the flubber movies the original flubber movies that same idea that somebody was trying to to steal the the formula some some like hostile horrible, or something
2: probably i guess the shaggy
3: it. da i'm sure they had a bunch of those in that, those as well yeah, Helms, stealing and and stuff like that yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of espionage going on in a lot of those those disney movies Mm -hmm.
2: right yeah and i think that one of the things that was happening was remember that tv had developed already in the 50s right and Mm -hmm. but the tv of the 50s was the era of the western and they were kind of looking for the next big thing and Mm -hmm. spies because of the cold war it was a way to deal with cold war anxiety the idea that there were these spies that were fighting to protect us so everything's going to be okay um and it has the action and it you know it's more but it's modern and it's hip and it's cool like it's it actually makes perfect sense that it's kind of an evolution of the western in a way and of their place in society yeah and of course remember these are also being written by kids who grew up on the first era of pulps reading like you know all the pulp magazines and listening to you know spy smasher on the radio and things like that right
3: I -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, though, too. It it, it was an evolution past the the radio stuff about G-Men and stuff like that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, And there was a lot of movies about the G-Men and a lot of news about the G-Men getting, you know, the mafia and stuff like that, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. So there was a real push for those government agents that were really, you know, really there to protect America, right?
2: Yep absolutely Heck. absolutely there was and it was going on in thanks uh ian fleming's books of course were popular as you mentioned especially since jfk gave them his thumbs up and so everyone um everyone loved them because you know jfk um mm-hmm. and in fact but the but but besides there were two things really that's that created the spy craze of the uh 1960s one of them was james bond mm-hmm. and the other was technically also an ian fleming creation of course um oh, i know
3: chitty chitty bang bang
2: there we go yep there we go um, which of course the, the, the answer is the man from uncle yeah
1: okay. because
2: in the fall of 1962 tv producer norman felton asked ian fleming to develop a series loosely based on the Hitchcock movie north by northwest dr no was not yet released in america until the following year and so he created a show that he basically created a character called napoleon solo who was mm-hmm. basically meant to be a tv version of james bond However, because Bond suddenly Fleming was uh, there were legal stuff with Eon Productions and contracts and stuff, he had to leave the project, and so another guy named Sam Rolf came in. He was actually a Western guy who created a "Have Gun Will Travel" and some other things, right. and he which came is also, in. Also,
3: by the way, sp- uh, an espionage spy show as well. There we go. So, yeah, and,
2: and so oh, that's probably one of the reasons why they hired him. And so he created Solo, and he said, "Okay, well, this Solo works for Uncle, which is the United Nations." a criminal law enforcement division or something like that. It's UNCLE, mm-hmm. for those of you who aren't familiar with this. And he gave mm-hmm. him a partner named Ilya Kuryakin, who was actually a Russian. Mm-hmm. See, this was the twist of the man from UNCLE, is they weren't actually fighting um, Russians. This was the other you know, safe aspect of the whole thing, is that they were dealing with an organization called WASP, W-A-S-P, which I don't know what it, what it stands for. This would later be replaced by THRUSH, in um mm-hmm. later on um but uh, but it, which is an international crime syndicate so they're actually fighting like you know international super bad guys they're not actually fighting governments mm-hmm. they're fighting evil bad guys who are manipulating governments and doing cold war stuff but and originally i was reading about this originally the man from uncle go is actually a Premier's and nobody really cares except for college kids and then the college kids go home for their for their break, and they basically tell all their families, "Hey, you should be watching this thing." And over the course of the year, the ratings just slowly go to the point, go up, until the point it becomes a ultra mega hit and becomes like the most popular thing on television over the course of a year.
1: Hmm.
3: You know why they couldn't use Wasp after a while, and they changed it to Thrush? I don't know why. It's because at Jerry Anderson's uh, show Stingray had a, had an organization called Wasp. Oh. Yeah, She's getting in trouble with that. It was, and that was, um, the world, um, Aquanaut Security Patrol or something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they were they were already in trouble with that. So they had to come up with you know something that you get in your mouth if you don't wash your hands.
2: Much. Right. So right. Sh- you get thrashed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, I always thought it was kind of silly, but
1: eh, whatever. Yeah.
2: Um, but so, and these guys became like super popular and everyone fell in love with them. And it premiered in September 64. And uh, so, oh, by 65, everyone was crazy for it. And there was even a show called um, The Girl from Uncle, a spinoff yeah. about Stephanie Powers as Ancient April Dancer, which I always thought was like the coolest female spy name ever. Uh-huh. I don't know why I always like that name. Either a spy character or, but she sounds like she belongs in a shoujo comic. But still, whatever a girl's, a girl's <laughs> like romance adventure comic or something. April Dancer, but anyway. So um and hours
3: of dance. <laughs> yeah, there we
2: go. Something like that. And so this would, of course, and once you know, once you had Bond, and by the way, by sixty-four, you had three Bond movies because Goldfinger premieres in sixty-four. It would be one of the most popular Bond movies of all time. And you have Man from Uncle premiering that year as well and later on. So, suddenly by the mid 60s, spies are everywhere. Everything is spies. Everything is about spies. There's nothing Matt that's Helm not about spies. Like,
3: Matt Helm was like 66 to 69. Like, yes. five movies pumped in. Yep. That's,
2: yeah. that's the period where basically they are going nuts. Like, the, the spy craze, actually, I've read really peaks about 67. It's actually, mm-hmm. it, it It takes, remember, it's just like modern day. You know, it only, these things only last a couple years. They premiere, it peaks about 67 and then kind of trails off from there where you'll still see more, but uh, you'll still see some, but they're not really making much in the way of like new shows at that point. Um, mm-hmm. So you'll, you get that. Um, let's see, The Man from Uncle, The well, Man you, from Uncle only goes till 68. It's only around for four years, even though it was like the most popular thing ever.
0: Yeah, you skip like uh, one of the greatest tv spy shows ever in 65 which one get smart
3: get smart
0: <laughs> which because it was so popular think about this it already had
2: a parody show within a year
3: yeah and it was it lasted more than many of the shows that they had out that were like <laughs> serious spy shows
2: oh yeah no it did absolutely no i'm not i'm i'm not arguing with that and everyone was everybody and their brother was like making spy shows um, do which you know what where- the
3: longest running spy show is I do know.
2: The answer is Mission Impossible. No. Really? How
3: long is Mission Impossible gone for?
2: It went on for 178 episodes, or and it went years? on for seven years. No, nope,
3: then you're wrong. Really? Yep. I I had thought you're, that. You're going to smile when you talk about this. Archer.
2: Ah, that's oh, truly. That's has so It's right. going
3: 11 years, 2009, <laughs> and it's still going. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, technically, you're right.
3: <laughs> that is so weird. In that actually, weird? this is again, yeah, it's a parody for time. That's you may be correct, popular, right?
2: Mm-hmm. For time, you may be correct, but actually, I bet you might be wrong because aren't there only like a dozen, ep- like 13 episodes a year for
3: Archer? Oh, yeah, Ma- like you're that. right. You may be, maybe more episodes, but I said, what was the longest running, not the most, right? So. No, you're right. You're you're right. right. It would be the
2: longest running, but in terms of episodes, Mission Impossible, if I believe, I believe, still holds that record, um, because it ran for seven years. Yeah, it it was the longest. Um, In '65, I I did skip ahead a little bit. Uh, In '65, we had I Spy, which Mm -hmm. I've been watching some of recently, and I have to say, I was actually really impressed. Like I Spy is actually is a fascinating show, and if anyone hasn't seen it, they did 82 episodes over three years. It like cranked them out. Mm -hmm. And it was an attempt to do a show, a James Bond type show, but also a slightly more grounded James Bond show, like it for Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, it introduced a brand new actor. I believe it was his very first role. In fact, Mm -hmm. um, Alexander Scott, as played by Bill Cosby, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. who was the apprentice, basically, of Robert Colt's character, Kelly Robinson and that he plays the so so robinson or yeah robinson robert Culp's character is basically explaining the spy trade to his apprentice bill cosby's character as they're going along and therefore explaining it to the audience at the same time
3: and And you may not know this at the time but at the time they there were constantly like just a lot of bro love between the two of them they were always complimenting each other on their professionalism Cosby, mm-hmm. and Cosby and Culp. Cosby and Culp. They have every okay. single uh, news about how much they just loved working together for that. By the yep. way, you're right about Mission Impossible. So far, Archer's only at 93. But it's creeping no. up there.
2: It's creeping <laughs> up there. It, it's going to take a little while. But oh, it'll get there. But yeah, um, Culp and Cosby. You know, Cosby, of course, has a other anyway issues today but back (laughs) but back in the day um he but back in the day when he was a new young guy and everything he was he was actually a pretty good actor like i'm impressed like i said um right now you can actually find all of it someone stuck it up on youtube in hd so it's like for free so if you want to go watch it I'll, i'll put a link up um, or I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, but whatever, we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, really. But I, you know, I had actually thought that it might, since Cosby's and I thought, okay, so it's probably like, was a lighter take on spy stuff. Oh, no. No,
3: and then, dead serious.
2: Yeah. and then I got to the second episode, second <laughs> beginning of the second episode is the thing that completely disabused me because the first episode actually does have some humor in it. And I got to the beginning of the second episode. I'll, here's the setup for the second episode. Because the first couple episodes take place in Hong Kong. where they actually And they actually filmed in Hong Kong. This, is, this was other, part of the other shtick. Is that they were actually filming the episodes around the world. Like they'd go to a location. They'd film a couple episodes worth of exterior shots with the actual actors. Like doing stuff. Then they'd go on to another location. Then they'd go back to Hollywood and do set pieces to fill in all the other parts that they needed right that's what they were doing so they could actually get like a movie like feel but anyway so they're right. still in hong kong and uh, robert cope's characters uh, Cal- uh, uh his mentor shows up his mentor shows up the like same relationship he kind of has with bill cosby and he shows up and he's like yeah i'm between missions and then they asked me to give you this packet you know going through and so cope's character's like okay yo no, thanks invites him into the hotel room Come on, okay good good stuff and introduces him to bill cosby's character and they're kind of palling around and everything like that And so he takes a moment and he uses the code to decode the message. And the message says, this man is a double agent. Kill him. (laughs) That's the whole message.
1: Wow.
2: And that's how the second episode of the series starts.
3: Now, just to clarify, too, if I remember correctly, they had like one cover throughout the whole thing. And and it was uh, Culp's character was a tennis pro. Yep, and Bill Cosby's character was like his coach, coach. Or like that. Yep, yeah.
2: yep, that, that was the idea. Yeah, it's
3: been a long time since I seen him, but that's what I remembered it being. Yeah.
2: Yep, yep, and uh, that's the way and Bill Cosby's character is supposed to be this uh, multilingual. That's actually the, that's the deal behind him. He's actually an intellectual and is mm-hmm. like a polyglot. I guess is the term for him, where he can actually right. he can speak like a dozen different languages, including Chinese in the first couple episodes and things like that. Mm. He's Chinese needs work, but whatever. We're not going to go there. Anyway, the point is, you know, he's faking it. Um, but the point is, is that uh, it's, I spy. Yeah, if you get the chance, if like, I was really impressed. It's also in color. Like, and this mm-hmm. is the other thing that surprised me. It's it's just late enough that they actually filmed it in color.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, whereas some of the early stuff like Danger Man or Secret Agent, uh, early Avengers. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Uh, no, Mission Impossible is always in color too. They did was film it, it in I, color.
3: I thought some of it was in black and white
2: no there's nope. a re they generally didn't show the first season but we'll talk about that in a minute and there's a reason okay. for that okay but it, yeah. i believe it's all in color uh it came I,
3: I, out at the same time as star trek and star trek was known as being like the first show in color it was in 1966 yeah. right Yep, so, and
2: Mission Impossible came out in, double check, uh, Mission Impossible came out 66. in 65, 66, yeah, 66. Well, that's the thing, right? Since we might as well talk about Mission Impossible. Because so, they, Mich- so,
3: they both came from the same studio. They yes, Desi they did. were Desilu Studios, right? Actually,
2: so. there were three. There were the, basically the three, we'll call them horsemen or whatever you want to call them, of Desilu Studios. There were three mm-hmm. shows that, de- that Lucy... Lucia Ball and Desi Arnaz, Desi Lou, basically decided to green light and do with their new studio deal that they had with, I believe it was Paramount. And they're basically mm-hmm. like, okay, produce us stuff. And so they picked three shows. One of them was Star Trek. One of them was Mission Impossible. And one of them was a show called Mannix. Mm-hmm. And, those, and those are the three shows. Ironically enough, I believe Mannix actually is the one that lasted the longest. Yeah, uh, it, it lasted I something that... like nine seasons. It lasted even longer than Mission Impossible did. Yeah, wow. into the 70s um and but max is one of those odd shows that it's just it's basically a cop drama and yep. it's one of those shows that we it was good but not spectacular so it kind of just forgot forgotten in time mm-hmm. um but everyone remembers <laughs> track because track and then we get mission impossible which probably i would say out of these like 60s spy shows is probably my favorite and it was one of the reasons why I suggested doing this episode. As you can probably tell, I'm like... Actually, <laughs> Mission, watching Mission Impossible... Because I'm right now, you can watch Mission Impossible on CBS All Access, um, mm-hmm. which is like six bucks a month. And I actually paid for it just to watch the original Mission Impossible. Because it's the only place you can wow. find it. And... If you watch them, mm-hmm. it's it's really entertaining, although it's also a little bit disconcerting if you're an old-school Trek fan like the three of us are. And if right. you watch, because almost every secondary actor and a few main ones who is in Star Trek is also in Mission Impossible somewhere, sometimes multiple times.
3: <laughs> yeah, true. Leonard Nimoy yeah. got pretty bored at the character that he had because he was always sort of doing, just dressing up as somebody else <laughs> and playing a different I character. Can, I, I, well, I can, can
2: explain that. I know what you're talking about. I watched an interview yeah. with Nimoy, probably the same one you have, where he talked about yeah. that um here's the deal with mission impossible um mission impossible for those who don't know the route i'm talking about the tv series not of course the movies because they're completely different things mission impossible is a heist series every episode yes. the teams are team is basically told this bad guy is going to do x okay you your job is to go over and stop him but you can't stop him by shooting him you can't stop him by you can't stop him by confronting him you can't put him in jail directly you base your job is to go over and convince him to basically screw himself up or to or to trick his partner into shooting him or something like but basically every episode is a con job is what it is mm-hmm. and that's that's the that's the formula for mission impossible and everyone knows the um this message will, will this message will self-destruct five seconds after you get it or whatever and that's from mission impossible Um, which, here, here, funny funny side note, when they first started doing the show, they actually were blowing up the tape recorders, but they found it was getting so expensive and troublesome that after, like, the sixth episode, they're actually just blowing, like, a dry ice over the tape recorder. So that's why if you watch it, you'll see it just kind of has this little misty thing on it or something like that, where it looks like it's disintegrating, (laughs) but it's really just dry ice being blown on it.
3: To be honest, the most closest thing to... A mission impossible from a modern day from my from all the shows that i've seen i would say is leverage
2: yes i knew you were going to say that actually there's one that's even closer well okay leverage is half but i let me let me finish for a sec okay what mission impossible is the closest thing to mission impossible that exists okay and this is where it is different from leverage okay is believe it or not law and order and because the characters in Mission Impossible, and this is why Leonard Nimoy didn't like the show, and this this will give you a good example. Leonard Nimoy didn't like the show because his character was a blank. His character was a blank who was just a component of the plot who then would pretend to be other people. But you literally never got into who any of these people were. You never right. found out the background of any of these characters. Anything they were just there. You knew that these were agents, and then they became every episode they became other people. But you yep. never found about them. And each episode is basically the formula of them going through. And they the, these characters are basically just ciphers. They're just stand-ins, basically. And right. Nimoy, being a character actor, he hated it. He absolutely hated it. And so yep. that's why he's only lasted two years on the show. Um, but on the other hand, Martin Landau, who was on, like, three years, and he's with a little more suited to it. He Nimoy replaced Martin Landau. That's a whole other story. But um,
3: Peter the Graves. point... Wasn't he there for the whole thing?
2: No. And that's, remember I said that nobody shows the first season? Because Peter Graves starts with the second season. Um, Ah. The first season has another actor who was very wooden, and most people don't like him. And so also to avoid confusion, when Mission Impossible went into syndication, they thought if there's another team leader, it will confuse people. So they didn't show the first season.
1: Oh,
2: cool. So almost, so unless you go watch a collection of it or, Watch CBS All Access. I'm not getting a cut, by the way, folks. Um, you will, because actually All Access's selection sucks, at least in Canada anyway. Don't get CBS All Access unless you want to watch
0: Mission Impossible, in which case it's t- kind of worth it. Um, actually, but, anyway, actually, but oh, hmm? Sorry, go. Oh, I was going to say, if you live in Canada, uh, CHCH has been showing Mission Impossible in the afternoons for like a year. Yep. Or longer than a year. They've been showing them like two years or something like
2: that, I think. Mm. But anyway, but uh, so yeah, that's true. CHCH has been showing them. That's what, that was one of the things that got me curious. I saw one in CHCH and thought I want to watch more of this because I haven't seen hadn't seen them in years. Um, but yeah, Mission Impossible. That's the thing, right now. Leverage. The reason why I'd say it's different. Leverage. I would totally agree, jacket. It, it effectively is the closest modern thing in the sense that it's about a bunch of guys that are for, who work for a private spy in agency, almost. In the plot. The though, setup, yeah. Not in the, the setup. characters, yeah. but yeah. I would argue that yeah, the characters. In Leverage, this is one of the things. The characters are characters, right? In Leverage, yeah. you're you what that you really are getting to know these characters. You're watching these these quirky spy characters go on their adventures and everything like that. And not Where, to
3: mention their character mm. attributes sometimes scuttle what they're doing mm-hmm. because of the dramas mm-hmm. between the characters. Right, right. And that wouldn't happen. That never same, happened on no, Mission Impossible
2: because yeah, you never had any you never had any character conflict. That's right. Yeah, there would there was never any and. Mission Impossible is brilliantly written, though. I have to say that having been watching them, like, the better Mission Impossible episodes are like a fine Swiss watch. Everything just goes together, and you're just kind of in awe of watching this this very complex plot, but still very simple and followable, all just kind of click together. And by the end, it's just like everything comes together perfectly. Like... It is a truly incredible piece of television. Also, one other thing, I won't spend the rest of the time on Mission Impossible. One other thing, the, the one thing of, we'll call it super tech magic, they occasionally do use little bits of high tech magic, but the one thing that's there constantly, and this is so associated with spy stuff, but it actually comes from Mission Impossible, at least as far as I can tell, is the whole idea of having these perfect masks that you can mm. transform into yeah. someone else and then you rip off you know, mm-hmm. even when we were as kids watching like G.I. Joe and everything, remember how, you know, the Baroness would always, imp, you know, imp, uh, would always, uh, oh my God, what's the correct word? Not improvise. Um, impersonate. The impersonate. Baroness would always impersonate people. Spies would always impersonate. And then you know how they reach down across their head and then they kind of mm-hmm. pull up from the, from the neck chin and they pull up the mask? Yep. That's Martin Landau. Mm-hmm. Right. Martin. That's Martin Landau's famous spy movie. That was in the move. movie yeah. The
3: Saint too, later on. Yeah, With Val Kilmore, He did the same thing, and I went, yeah. "Whoa, you stole that straight out of Mission Impossible."
2: Yep, that's that's Martin <laughs> Lando's move. And in fact, Martin Lando said, for the rest of his life, he people on the street would walk up and suddenly <laughs> try to pull off their <laughs> and they would pull off his face. They they do the they do the mask thing as though they were when they
0: recognized him. Yep, because uh, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, I think, isn't an, is an important part in the spy super spy entertainment. Kind of thing, mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh.
0: because I think what happens with Mission Impossible is that's where the conventions for like the spy show mm-hmm. are established, and I think Mission Impossible is kind of where they start making that shift from a convention to a trope, because yes. mm-hmm. there there's a lot that happens if you watch the show they give you very little information about any of the background except for the specific mission because you already know to the mm-hmm. point that they never tell you who the IMF is. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the movies, like the, the the Tom Cruise movies where they finally explain who the IMF is. Right. Which
2: is its own thing. but Well, they do say he the secretary will disavow, which is implied to be the secretary of state. What state? but you, what? that's true and that's one of the other <laughs> neat things about mission impossible is almost all the action takes place in these mostly fictional european countries mm-hmm. um up until uh, and that's one other thing the last two seasons of mission impossible are an interesting thing because it, it outlasted the other spy series sort of the last two seasons of mission impossible are entirely based in the united states about them fighting crime syndicates
1: Mm -hmm. Ah. they
2: they they because the spy craze was over by 1970 and they're like well we can't keep doing this so let's do
0: something different
3: enter the mafia craze yep exactly yeah
0: it's 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 like we were saying before it's that's what spies kind of transition to in the 70s -hmm. that they become investigators yes because mission yep. Mission Impossible is funny. Because yeah, I never thought about the mask thing, but I think you're right. The other the other thing that's funny is all through like the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s. Mm-hmm. There's a shtick that ends up in everything that I don't think people realize was a thing where mm-hmm. anytime any character was sneaking around, they start humming. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think by the eighties, people probably didn't realize that's from an old show, but it had become so ingrained in society. And, and I think again, it's because mission impossible is for spy based entertainment from the sixties. I think it's the, it's, it's the peak, not necessarily for like quality you, or that, Yeah, but it's, as far as the 60s spy show got before it became something else it's it's the 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 final final like cherry on top of the ice cream kind of thing
2: yep i would agree with you and by one one bit of trivia that theme was actually written by lalo Schifrin, who's i believe argentinian composer uh, very famous but here's the thing that was actually written to be chase music for the show that's not actually the show's theme (laughs) <laughs> but when the when the creator of Mission Impossible Bruce Geller, basically heard that heard the show's theme, he thought, "Yeah, it doesn't work. What else you got? Oh, this chase mute—that's awesome. Okay, that's our new theme."
3: <laughs> no, he and he was the man for themes at the time.
1: Oh yeah, Lalo was mm-hmm. yeah
3: yeah. He just you you find his music everywhere in television in the sixties and the seventies.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. and by and after about like I said things pre- kind of peak about 67 67 I'll give you example is uh when you get uh the prisoner for example mm. comes out again the now the which is the unforgiven basically of this of the spy craze. <laughs> like it's it's literally the show that uh, it's this deconstructionist show that like just shows how messed up this thing is yeah. um, you also get even in the British you get the champions. Do either of you know the champions? Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> the champions were is basically a spy show. Except here's the stick: they have superpowers. Yeah,
3: that's a They're, big thing too. Because Sapphire and Steel, you could argue are yes. You know, you, you start I, then you start getting. This is where you start talking about super spies and that. Like for me, mm-hmm. what was it? Six Million Dollar Man. He worked yep. for yeah, the OSI, right. right? Yeah, that's true. And if you go back even in the '80s, Highwayman. If you remember that show,
1: oh yeah, mm. yeah, I do
3: actually. Like he was a spy, and let's, and of course, uh, Stingray was working for his own, but stuff like that. But he, he those things, and then you, they, of course, you get crossovers and super stuff like Black Widow and that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah,
2: which, and remember 60s comic books were doing it too? Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., fighting Hydra, yep. the whole routine. Yeah. Yep. It's all there. Yeah. This, I, the, the spy craze was everywhere, it was in comic books, it was. I believe even DC had its own equivalent to Nick Fury, didn't they? Like, DC... Well... well there were a couple yeah. of them. There was Checkmate, but I thought Checkmate... Well, it was Checkmate well, in the that's later. Thing.
0: That's 80s. Yeah. Uh, what happens at DC... Because Marvel and DC, whatever one does, the other one does. That's just how right, it is. Yeah. What DC did during the late 60s that was really weird is they took some of their superheroes and made them spies. Like Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, w- Wonder Woman... Uh, forsakes her powers and becomes a secret agent. Uh, the Teen Titans do the same thing because they think they kill somebody and they decide they'll never use their powers again. But then this guy, Mr. Jupiter, who they never explain who he is. There's a funny thing about that, though. Hmm. Mr. Jupiter recruits them into his like secret organization and they do spy stuff instead of superheroes. Okay. And the funny thing about Mr. Jupiter is they... Oh, I forget what it was called. They did a, a, a series about 10 years ago DC did that it pissed everybody off but twas the season anything you did the old school fans were going to cry about 10 years mm-hmm. ago and the whole thing was it turns out that Maxwell Lord was actually like a evil guy that was secretly trying to dismantle like earth superheroes okay the big reveal that Maxwell Lord was this evil agent guy it was supposed to originally be this mr. Jupiter from the 60s Oh. But at the last minute, they said, no, we're not doing that because the, the chief editor said, nobody's going to remember who this guy was. It's not a big reveal. Yeah.
3: Do you know what yes. the first one that I remember reading, and it was a team-up, and if I remember correctly, it was a Brave and the Bold with Batman. I think it was DC. I could be wrong. It could be Marvel. It's one of the others. Nemesis. Hmm. Yep. Do you remember that guy?
0: Yep. He he yes. was He was – he was one of those ones, you're getting that transition, like we said, where they're investigators. It looks like a spy story, but it isn't quite. Because that was also, I think, wasn't that around the time uh, DC had the Human Target?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they did. Because yeah. they,
0: they were all in showcase. And then the funny thing is the Human Target got its own TV series in the uh, in the 90s, I believe. Yes, it did. Yep. Briefly. There was only like a season, but yeah, it did. Yeah. And that's, and that's what they were, because... A, a lot of it when when the super spy thing took off, yeah, like your 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 companies, Marvel and DC retconned it because even Nick Fury, Agent of Shield,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's a direct spy story. But remember, Nick Fury was this like war comic that people had pretty much forgotten about by that time. Right, that's true.
3: He made the transition from the war to Shield. Right.
0: Yeah, and that was a uh, Starenko was working on it, and then he became a big hit because Starenko did prior to that was it he did a shoot a detective series mm-hmm. that it, i want to punch myself in the face for not remembering
2: okay uh,
0: i can i can save you the trouble that he did like a like a like a dark almost underground comic detectives was it mike hammer was it an actual mike hammer comic Shoot! It was a ah. It's gonna bug me now. It's a character you heard of.
2: Okay, uh, let's see. Okay, fun. Wasn't
3: the master of kung fu though also? Yeah. Wasn't he running, running for with a a particular agency too
2: yes yes he was shang chi was part of a spy Shang-Chi, agency yeah. yeah he was yeah and that would that was part of the whole uh and it looks like that's where they're gonna go with the movies basically the movies basically okay. gonna turn him they're into doing this...
3: movies are they yeah there's a shang chi yeah.
2: movie coming out like it was supposed to come out this fall but it's now coming out like next, really? next spring yeah yeah wow it's okay. called yeah. shang chi and the legend of the ten ten rings it's basically they it's him versus the mandarin Is what well. they replaced they replaced um, the original character, of course, Fu Manchu. Man He's the son of Fu Manchu. They're replacing him with the Mandarin. Yeah.
3: Those were the Sax Romer novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, like the yeah. pulp novels. Yeah, yeah. And he became, he was like the villain, and then eventually they came up with a hero to go against the villain. Yeah, exactly. Which was amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because remember, remember too that Shang Chi, master of kung fu, and I say that because when they announced the movie like a, a year or two back, one commenter said that. Because that was the title of the comic, he should always introduce himself as that in a film. And I thought, yes, he should. But remember, that comic was basically a ripoff of Bruce Lee, and that yes, was, was Enter the Dragon, which again is a spy story. Yes, it is. That's, right.
2: Everyone forgets that Enter the Dragon is a spy movie because look when it was made. That's right. Like even well, it was yeah. it was actually after the spy craze. Sort of. Well, it was after the spy craze, but it was still spies were still affecting everything that came out at that point. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm um we kind of we i realize now we've kind of glossed over james bond and such i think we should probably say we'll say bond for another actual episode about bond stuff and everything i think that's a little better yeah um yeah because bond
3: fan i love yeah
2: because well because bond deserves his own episode yeah and everybody knows who he is exactly we don't really have to we don't have to talk about him
3: (laughs) are they gonna have sir dennis nayland smith who's like man choose original nemesis are you see going to be in the movie do you know or, uh, or Jack uh, tar clive Resden is probably like the closest character that they had to james bond yeah yeah he's like a british spy in in the because he had a team right there was a team eventually he operate. did yeah eventually yeah it didn't happen like but yeah exactly you you see them grow but because they started off in the pulps kind of thing they usually had a team right in one way or another
2: yeah yeah cool. um and the that's that's an interesting question i think the answer is because well that was yeah who was original his original nemesis and he would mm-hmm. and that they appeared in the master of kung fu comics so presumably oh, the oh yeah answer is, all the time Yeah, you the answer yeah. is yes um because the movie got delayed we don't there's a lot of things we don't know like we only really know who like the main we know who the mandarin is we know who sima sima uh we know what shang chi is and we know who the like the female lead is, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, for for the comic, what they're gonna do is is it's gonna be their big. It it it's obvious because it's the Ten Rings. It'll be the Mandarin. The Mandarin. And it'll be how they introduce. It, it'll be how they introduce the actual Mandarin. Yes, and then all As of these. Goes
3: to the Mandarin from Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Right.
0: And then and then what'll end up happening is all these other characters from the uh, Shang Chi Master of Kung Fu comic are going to be like Easter eggs and hidden things and little mentions to so that when you hear this guy's name, you're like, oh, he's going to be this guy at some point kind of thing.
2: Right. Right. Well, probably. But I, actually, I was reading Master of Kung Fu not too long ago. And the whole shtick with it really is, is that he he's supposed to, I think it's Waylon Smith who basically tells him, look, your dad's an evil bastard. Because remember, Shang-Chi is raised to be his father's ultimate weapon. And right. then he, then it's I think it's Waylon Smith who basically convinces him. No, look, your father's not one of the good guys, kid, and uh, and helps him. But then after that, he kind of goes on his own. And anyway, he teams up. Yeah, there's it goes it goes back and forth between him being on his own fighting kung fu villains and him teaming up with Waylon Smith and friends, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's jumping all over the place so
3: okay as
1: we are
2: as we are (laughs) well sort of we've got a rough frame we're we're going quasi chronologically okay so now we're in the 70s and i think since we're going to skip bond and the bond stuff i think it's safe to move on to the 70s so now we have the investigators although i I remember (gasps) don actually saying he had
0: Spice that became two things in the 70s didn't you yep because what what you get and it's kind of it ends up sort of being the same thing because the investigators are kind of the 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 cousins to the to the spies and the super spies. Mm-hmm. They use a lot of the trappings, but they kind of follow more of the old like man in the suitcase formula, right? That they're sort of working for an agency. they 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 might sort of be by themselves. It's not not super important. That's where you get like say the A team. That was that comes a little later. You get the six million dollar man. He's definitely a uh he's definitely a spy. Mm-hmm. Because he does infiltrate places and that, but mm-hmm. he he's kind of again, it's that Ronan thing, he's more like the wandering hero. Um there's there's a there's a few other ones that pop up. The investigation ones too also will use a lot of the spy trappings, but maybe not spy mm-hmm. characters. And I thought about that because I finally tracked down some episodes of Doomwatch. What Doomwatch. watch Do 1970, it's a British uh, British series and what they are is they're an agency of the government that they basically deal with like ecological okay. disasters. And they're kind of underfunded and they' the people don't like them because they stick their nose in like what businesses and, and the government are secretly doing and such and it's basically an espionage story it's basically a spy story even though the characters mm-hmm. are all scientists mm-hmm. but they do have like their specialty so there there is one character who is the suave super mm-hmm. spy kind of guy and the, the grizzled old guy is, is is like, in charge. And then there's Toby Wren, who's basically the victim of the episode. He's there to look nervous. He, he's basically Shaggy from Scooby-Doo right. in a lot of ways without the, <laughs> without the talking dog. Um, and it's another one. It comes out of that investigative school. But there's another thing that sort of comes around the mm-hmm. same time. That uses the trappings of the spy, and this is where I said these are the guys that aren't necessarily righting wrongs, but they're causing a fair okay. amount of them as well. And some of them tend to be, like, they're, they're like mercenary adventurers are part of it. Um, two, The two best examples I can think of, of of this, and I don't have a name for it yet, would be uh, GoGo13. Oh. And Mac Bolan. Oh, okay. Mac Bolan the executioner
2: right right interesting because
0: they're 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 definitely especially if you see like Google 13 is is the anti-james but he's james bond if james bond was evil i wouldn't okay
2: yeah okay, because you yeah yes, yeah he's a hitman I, I would classify him less as evil and more amoral like Go-Go thirteen the yeah. Google 13 is almost a Mission Impossible character. He is simply his role. That's what he does. He has no real personality. He mm-hmm. just simply exists to, like the Terminator, just go after his target, basically.
3: It's like Remo Williams uh, is, is more like Mac Bolan yeah, yeah. in yeah. that respect. It, yeah,
0: because yeah, cause Mac Bolan, other people would know him better mm-hmm. as the Punisher. Right. The Punisher is a Mac Bolan ripoff, period. Right. But it, en- but it ends up, if like in the books and that, it follows a lot of the super spy kind of, not necessarily, like, like the espionage mm-hmm. trappings. Because they do kind of get into his networks and how he gets his supplies. Although, like I remember my uncle saying when I was a kid, I don't know where he keeps getting those tanks from. <laughs> and in the actual books, when you get to, because the original guy, I think, dies. And then somebody else picks up and continues it. When they continue it, Mac Bolin himself is the head of. It's like okay. Stone Man, I think, is the name of it. It's basically spies for hire. It's one of these like like espionage agencies that he's now mm-hmm. like the chief of.
3: And spies I, for hire would be a good um, category that you could throw in a lot of those things in that come yeah. later on, and things like the mm-hmm. team. And stuff yeah, true like that right. So yeah, yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, because it's 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 again it's it's that idea that it's not a spy story, but it borrows heavily mm. from them.
3: Yeah, stingray it, is the same yep. way that way, and the same. Well,
2: there's really a catch though. When you get to the same yep. stingray, airwolf, um, and and a whole lot of night rider, yep. and a whole lot of stuff like that, you're yep. getting into the territory of. They're kind of just wandering good guys at that point. They're really not exactly right. for hire in many cases. In fact, a lot of them don't even there's no money or anything like that. They're just wandering around looking for wrongs to right. They're just kind of wandering. They're you know paladin have you know have gun will travel that kind of
0: thing. Kind kind of except a lot of them again still and this is where I say you get that kind of divide because a lot of them are still working for somebody. Like Michael Knight works for that old guy who's the some N- kind Nade of Foundation. Yeah. procurer. Yeah, like mm. he's he's working for the A team are, are independent, they're guys for hire. Um Charlie's you get Angels. Angels Yeah. Yeah, Charlie's Angels. It's yep. they work for somebody. Um you get thing, the Gemini man. Oh wow. Right. He's part he's part of our organization. Um
3: animal. Manimal, manimal. I yeah, I, I was, yeah,
0: I'm glad you mentioned it. that's on my list. That's one of the forget. It's that same idea that they're still they're sort of moving towards something else, but they're not quite there because and this is where I said at the beginning I think the key to a, a spy story of any kind is that the hero doesn't act of his mm. own volution. And I think that's why what you're seeing with, with these shows is it's the arse end of the right. spy craze, and that's why they're looking for the new thing. Because, because Mission Impossible, like I say, I do believe is where mm-hmm. the conventions of the spy story become the trope. Okay, and I, it's, it's I,
3: funny when you say that though. There's like some of my favorite James Bond movies are the ones that he does on his own because it's vengeance mm-hmm. in one way or another. Like mm-hmm. somebody has betrayed whatever and he's been told to leave it alone and he refuses because because you need to have you know in in many cases i think a really strong protagonist is the one who is you know proactive in their choices as opposed to reactive you know i have to do this because so-and-so told me to do it once once you've got actual you know grit in the game people you know we want to see that as a character right because then it it means something specific yeah but
2: i just to give a counterpoint though that's what has led into basically 20 years of really shitty bond movies like with a few exceptions, we're <laughs> basically been, we now have to make Bond a character who has angst and has like deep feelings and is like having character development, a character arc. And no, I want to see James Bond track down the bad guys and blow the fuck out of them. That's what I want to see. And that's why I like old school <laughs> Bond movies where he's more like Google 13, where his job is to make sure that that bad guy is dead by the end of the movie that's his job and we're watching our pro do his thing which is more of the mission impossible thing which again is probably why i like those a lot
3: yeah mm. it's interesting that you like them for that reason i'm um, I, I also i think that you we could probably agree maybe you, maybe you have another mm. show in mind but mission impossible is almost like the progenitor of the team spy group Mm. because you know bond basically works on Mm. his own He has people working in the background but not in the field with him can you think of of stuff beforehand that does that Because usually it's just like we have people supporting you but you're the one that's that has your ass on the line right Um, and so you see that happen a lot more you see that like like uh, like I said bond is Red Sparrow King's Men you know all those kinds of things Mm -hmm. Matt Helm all that stuff but but that you see things like A-Team, right? And Charlie's mm. Angels. And, like, you've got a group of people that are doing stuff mm. with you for that reason. It's funny that you you asked me to do this today. You know what movie what? I watched today? For no reason without knowing uh-huh. that you were doing this. Oh, Johnny geez.
1: English. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I just found a, like a, a $2 DVD copy and I, went, I haven't seen this anymore. Let's let's see Mr. Bean as a as a James mm-hmm. Bond. That's basically what it comes <laughs> down to. Right? So, uh yeah, I, but uh, can you think of another thing cuz I think that I that's, would... that's probably the progenitor of it. Like even Leverage and all mm. those other shows, they really owe so much to Mission They, and they really do
2: and I suspect mm-hmm. this there were probably episodes of like uh say Man from Uncle that probably did involve a larger team. Remember it was a two of them. And they did have other spies that worked right. with them and they did have other people. I do know that. In fact, man from Uncle, if I remember right, one of the shticks was that almost always there was the two of them and then there's a third character who's usually not a spy who gets involved in their adventure. And that's part of their shtick. So really there's technically three of them, but one's not a pro and whatever. So there's so there is a little bit of that. Also, I've been I've read, I don't know what the full list is, but I've read that there were like over twenty different spy series in the nineteen sixties. Like what we're talking about right, is yeah. the ones people remember in the cream of the crop, but there were a bunch a bunch of also rans or other ones that popped up, some of which may have been influential <laughs> right. but didn't actually but aren't remembered. They were just in French on their time. Right. Yeah. But you're right, Mission Impossible probably is the team spy thing. Right, I mean, I can't imagine, and like, even Westerns, I don't, like, yes, there were Western shows, like um, Bonanza, for example, where you had the whole family, right? There's all, there's the four, four of them, and they would work together. yeah. Yeah, These are team team shows, shows, but I'm
3: talking about actual spy team. It's Mission Impossible, probably. That would work in the field. It's got to be Mission Impossible for that reason. And it's, it's interesting when I'm thinking about this stuff, because I start thinking about things like the movie, Mm -hmm. The Sting. Heist movies and spy movies are not the same thing, but they are des- definitely cousins. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? They use they utilize the same long-term planning mm-hmm. elements and ways to you know to create a misindir- a misdirection yep. for people absolutely. and stuff like no, that. No,
2: absolutely. And yeah. you're right. And it goes back to what we mentioned earlier, the idea that spies ultimately are a form of criminal. They, they re- yep. So the yeah. idea that, you know, con artists would be part of the spy trade. It makes perfect sense. You know, they're mm-hmm. murderers, they're thieves, they're con artists. That's what spies are. And uh, mm-hmm. at right. least original. And they try to soften it in so many ways, but the, but that is the honest truth of the matter. That still ultimately is what's going on um so mm-hmm. so anyway so okay so we get to the so we get to the 70s and we and eventually i guess we get we talk the 80s too because we've been talking about knight rider and the others so we've got the investigators yeah and then i believe something happens a movie comes out in the early 80s that i believe the okay yeah.
3: well before that what about oh. pink panther
2: when did pink panther come out
3: the, the 68, 70, 60 and 70s or so the pink panther movies so again they're just yeah, parodies so. right
2: aren't they just parodies of the spy craze that yeah. have come out
3: yeah yeah like uh very much so um uh, but i i think they need to be I, identified as part of the list of like where this comes from like how popular this was i would
2: the see the thing is mm-hmm. i would talk more about the pink panther in a bond episode than i would because i think that that's like that's part of that line i think it, but you're right i think it is i think <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely. part of the overall thing though you're right i mean the idea of uh peter yeah. sellers
3: especially with the peter sellers uh casino royale yes debacle yeah
2: yeah that's again yeah. bond episode sure. we'll, we'll talk about that when we when we hit bond yeah um yeah. So, but yeah. So there's the Pink Panther and such. But okay. So, but I think a movie comes out in the '80s that Don wants to talk about because I'm really curious to hear this theory.
0: Kinda. Well, it's it's not a movie that causes something, but it's symptomatic of something that happens that I think affects okay. super spies. Let's hear it. And spies in general, because in the '80s you get kind of another. Bit of a hoorah for, for like the spy and the super spy yes, films, yes, because
2: the 80s again, I remember, is the era of um the cold war, Rambo. Remember, again, the spy. the the when the times are good, people are looking for kind of like the higher, you know, more escapist entertainment. I think spy stories tend to fall into that. We get a version of the spy in the 1970s that I mentioned i guess i didn't mention this on on air earlier there you in the 70s we did get movies like um what three days of the condor and we also got uh, tinker taylor soldier Mm -hmm. spy and we got like there were a whole bunch of
1: the whole exactly there were a
2: whole bunch of spy movies that were not super spy they were the exact opposite they were super grounded meant to be more realistic meant to be more about real yeah realistic spies basically and about and about the 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 dirty gritty world of of spies and that's where it goes because that's the 70s when we get back to the 80s again the boys, the boys from, brazil. from brazil yeah there we go we got all those yeah. uh what was yeah. the guy who wrote tinker taylor soldier spy whose name is escaping me at the moment which is um le Carre? john le carré le carré yeah he wrote a, yeah. he wrote a yeah. bunch uh he wrote those that series and that was super popular like the books that reflected something more realistic were bit, kind of took over And the movies that took over. And anyway, Mm -hmm. that was the 70s, right? In the 80s, things go back up into the world of fantasy again. The 80s is a fantasy era once more. And so naturally, spies become super spies again. And we get the Bond movies.
3: Ooh, one more we forgot in the 70s, which was really important. A Man Called Intrepid. I have never watched that. okay. No. Ever heard of... Oh, it's... I've read the book. The book you read about this guy. He's Canadian he's William Stevenson he's the guy who he, he became the one of the guys who basically broke enigma okay. uh mm-hmm. back in World War II. and his backstory is crazy if you wrote him as a character no one would believe him he started <laughs> off in mm-hmm. the prairies and he built his own uh shortwave radio so he could pick up stuff coming uh, off the uh, mm-hmm. from the oceans and and listen to what they were doing he ended up uh, innovating his own jet airplanes and won like world records for creating experimental aircraft um and then became a millionaire because of it, and then was brought into the spy uh game oh in in world war in the in the war he was too young, but he lied about his age so he could get in and became this world like renowned pilot <laughs> he just it just kept going on like this guy was just utterly amazing all the stuff you read and this is like in the first. Fifty pages of the book, and you're going, no, this is impossible. This guy <laughs> can't possibly be it. So yeah, they did. I think, um, uh, I think Obi Wan Kenobi was in the '70s TV movie of it.
2: David Niven was in the '70s TV movie. Oh, David Niven. Sorry,
3: David Niven. Yeah, David Niven was in '70s. Yeah, but it was a huge thing. Everybody was talking about that. It was in the same boat as Tinker Tailor Soldier. Yep.
2: The so there there's there. our mm-hmm. Canadian content for the episode. Okay. The C B C will be happy. All right, so um
1: or whatever
2: <laughs> Canadian government agencies. Yeah, there we go. C R T C. There we go. Okay, fine. The C, the C-
3: <laughs> Different exactly. different acronyms.
2: The CRTC will be happy. <laughs> All right, so um so like I said, so the eighties naturally uh the eighties is also where we see bond. Uh, I believe the eighties was the Roger Moore bond. So we're so so this yep. is the era of the yep. you know, larger than life bond and the, the who does witty things and it's just incredible gadgets and that's the bond everyone mm-hmm. from my generation tends to remember because again that was you know that was the bond we grew up with right um and yeah. uh and so yeah the 80s was again another era of spy it was almost a kind of uh echo of the 60s in a lot of ways mm-hmm.
0: yeah it was one of the things too that affects uh spies in, in pop culture is how much people trust yes, the government. And I think that's why you saw a little bit of an uprise in the eighties. I think because again, a lot of people, you know, they 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 trusted in their fascist mm-hmm. governments of the time, yep. like around the yep. world, oddly enough. When you get to the seventies, I think one of the reasons why you have characters that work for a mysterious benefactor or an unnamed organization is because people were leery of authority.
3: Mm-hmm. And you get a, a break that I, I I'm This is one of the reasons why I love talking with you guys is because we all like classifying Mm -hmm. stuff to Mm -hmm. be able to come up with things and and break them down in our own way. So I just realized talking to you that there is a classification of spy stories that we haven't talked about, but are that come up really in the 80s and in Mm the 90s and continue sort of on and off because of our dislike or distrust Mm -hmm. of the government. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm calling it now the amnesiac spy. Yeah, yeah the
0: Manchurian candidates.
3: Yeah, it's the ones who don't Jason know that they're born. spies. So like things like Born, Born Identity. What? You know what else? Total Recall. That's true.
0: Yeah. yeah, he's
3: totally a spy. He doesn't know he's a spy, right? So uh, yeah, I was going to or say, original, or is it a no, dream? No, it is. Uh, <laughs> no, he is. We now know that, that it was all a dream. But anyway, so... Uh, yeah, anyway, so I... Because I think people felt more for that main character because, again, it just proved you can't trust the government. Both of those. And even, mm-hmm. even in, in the new Mission Impossible movies, there's all elements of that. The government is trying to screw you, or at least elements in the government you can't trust. That are trying to 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 kill
2: you. Well, that's one of the problems with modern spy stuff. Mission Impossible, the movies, does this. James Bond does this. It drives me nuts. See, to up the tension and up the stakes, (laughs) every episode, the government has to think the main character is a bad guy or something like that, as a way to cut him off from his resources and put him to his lowest moment. And you know, he's out. He's on his own. Absolutely. (laughs) And yeah,
3: it's it's a good idea. Not and they do it every
2: single time.
3: For the new for the Mission Impossible, they do well, it most of
2: the, the new Bond, Bond movies Street. do it too.
1: Yeah.
3: I don't think so. I I think there's maybe one with uh, Skyfall does with it. it. That's it.
0: Is no, that
2: the one where
3: he takes her?
2: with Yeah, but th- but that point they think she's him. they think that he's kidnapped her.
0: Yeah, it's 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 the one where where Khan that's crashes like the, the Enterprise that's into near the, end the end of the yeah, movie, but they still right? strip the him set, away right. of
2: his government support or you know at, at every actually since at least the two thousand since at least yeah about that period Bond is usually stripped of his government support at some point and that's the way they basically force him to become independent so he can't have this whole spy organization come down on the bad guys he's got to do it himself and that's the shtick it happens all the time.
3: You love the organization. Hmm? You love the organizations. That's he's know. one of them. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm no. not saying uh, that. I'm just uh, saying uh, I, I'm thinking. I, <laughs> no, no. Seriously, I'm thinking of some of like your your favorite like Japanese television shows, or like, uh like those those science groups, right? The organizations that do stuff that you like. Team. I do working. I do them, actually. Thought. Yeah. You really do. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying this accusingly. I'm just saying this as like, oh, yeah, I totally get you now. There we go. That's why you love this stuff. Whereas generally I do much more like uh, people who are left to their own devices. I remember a Batman movie, Slight Tangent. Not a Batman movie, a Batman comic that I absolutely adored where Hugo Strange basically takes everything that he has, including his manner, and wears the Batman costume. And he's and Batman, there's this iconic image in my head of Batman, like cooking a can of beans with a (laughs) hat, you know, a four day growth of beard. And he's just on the top of some rooftop eating a can of beans. And I thought taking everything away from somebody that they have all of these great things to be able to do strips you down to what you really can manage on your own. And that's a real powerful thing to do to a character it's terrible i was gonna say you time.
2: can only do it once like, it's, maybe twice if you can space yeah. things out but the thing is they try to do it all the time yeah. you're right uh, and it's part of the whole save the cat formula if you read that you'll see that the, there has to be the whiff of death that moment where the character has everything taken from them it's been part of the formula for a long right. time and everybody does it
3: every story yeah, yeah it's it's a story structure circle yep. to the whole and bit.
2: Yeah, I and it's one of those parts that I'm not a big fan of. I like you can do it other ways, mm-hmm. but they always choose the cheap way of just you know it, it, it's stripping everything mm-hmm. from the characters. Like no, it doesn't always have to be that. The other thing is, and this will explain something actually, is that I like watching really competent characters execute really competent plans. This is why I like Mission Impossible so much. And watching, watching yeah. their plan come together and, and watching everything, watching all the parts and professionals be professionals and such. That to me is awesome. That's why I even like some uh, reality shows, competition shows where I'm watching pros do stuff. Because, again, I'm watching people who are really good at something do what they do and show their skills and right, talents.
1: Right. Yeah.
3: The, Did you like the Sting? I've never movie? seen it.
2: I apparently I should, should watch yes, it
3: because it's. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want. To I know spoil it's a heist movie. But, I do know this thing is a um, heist
2: movie. It's one of the classics.
3: It, no, I know it's a heist movie, but I love when a heist movie makes you think that things are falling apart, but they always had this plan from the beginning.
2: Well, heist movies, because I did an analysis of them not too long ago. I don't think I posted them my blog, but I've actually done an analysis of heist movies. There are actually a couple different kinds of them. Mm-hmm. And one of them—actually, it wasn't me, actually. Brandon Sanderson, the author, actually, uh, posited that there are two kinds of heist movies. I think there's actually more. But he posited there are basically two kinds of heist movies. He said they're all either uh, Ocean's Eleven or The Italian Job. Mm -hmm. And they basically work like (laughs) this. Um, Everything's everything's going according to plan. There's some big twist where everything falls apart. But, oh, no, look— everything was really going according to plan it's just that it looked that way to the audience and the audience relation characters but in reality
3: and i think it began and with the sting that a stink. I don't. I can't think of anything yep. before that that did that yep. same kind of style. So yep.
2: yep. Exactly. And the, for, for reference, yep. the Italian job is an is an interesting variant. What they do with the Italian job is okay. Mm-hmm. So we have our competent characters. They they make all these plans. They get all these. You watch them get all these pieces in place. Then something happens that renders all their all their plans useless. Okay. But yep. they realize quickly. After a moment of doubt, they realize, well, wait a sec. The thing we planned for this here, we can use for that over there. And we can plan for that. We think plan for that over there, we can use here. And they basically realize that they have all the pieces, but they just need to rearrange them and they can still pull it off. Yes, yeah, they MacGyver. basically MacGyver all, MacGyver the, the, all the machines, and <laughs> everything they put into place, and that's how they pull it off. And that's those right are right. Sanderson's two yeah. heist movies. I'm pretty sure there are others, but I don't know. I haven't thought them through enough in detail to actually talk about them now, but maybe another episode. But anyway, but um, and watching, yeah, watching skilled people cool. do stuff to me is really cool. I love watching that. I, the plucky young hero, that's yeah, nice, but I kind of outgrown it in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's just me, I guess. All right. And so now we've gone <laughs> through a long tangent, but I believe we still haven't talked about the movie that Dawn thinks altered everything. Didn't alter
0: it, but it's it's the first symptom that nobody okay. picked up and on. and what movie is that, Don? That would be Tron. Tron.
2: Okay, poor Tron. He gets blamed for everything. Okay, so, <laughs>
0: why, Don? Why is it Tron? Tron is a weird flick because what ends up happening is it comes out, and as I recall, it did okay, but... It it wasn't considered a success because it cost so damn much money yeah, for them to make it. Flop.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, but again, not necessarily because of of, of viewership, just because they couldn't make back mm-hmm. all the money they spent. Well, and what happens when Tron comes out? I think mm-hmm. it's like eighty two, and microcomputers are just catching on. Home computers are just catching on. So everybody's kind of familiar with the computer even if you've never actually mm-hmm. touched one. But nobody has a lot of like knowledge about them. Like This is still the era where if you can work a home computer, it's because you're a huge mm-hmm. nerd kind of thing. So you can make a movie that says, no, the way the computer works is little glowing elf guys inside are doing things.
2: Oh, okay.
0: And, and, and people will think, I guess, I don't know, whatever. Sure, sounds good to me. I don't know how the hell these things work. Works mm-hmm. in Reboot. <laughs> yeah and and what I think ends up happening with with like your spies is because you have the cold war you have the 70s a lot of stuff comes out in the 70s because people people don't trust mm-hmm. the government there's a lot of investigations into things they find out about like especially in the states like a lot of what the CIA mm-hmm. was doing which, which would be your real life kind of super spy stuff this gets out people start realizing that truth is stranger than fiction as it were people get into this there's the 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 big thing the iran contra thing really kind of brings home to a lot of people in north america how all of this weird double dealing and, and espionage and that works and people kind of as as a side effect start realizing how real life spies work And realizing that how spies work in movies and that is totally Mm -hmm. wrong. And because of that, I think this is one of the reasons why you get kind of that other big, like a last sort of gasp of the super spy in the 80s. But by the end of the 80s, people are kind of wandering off, except your James Bond always works. And I think James Bond gets a pass because in the spy game for entertainment for the longest time, he's the sole survivor. Right. And because of that, when people think spy, they think James Bond. And that's why when you go through the nineties or the two thousands, anytime anybody does a spy thing up until the born identity, it's, it's a that James room. Bond rep in mm-hmm. one way or another. And I think it's, it's, it's that kind of that Tron effect. And I say the Tron effect, because when the sequel comes out, like, what is it, like a hundred years later? They do Way Tron in, yeah. Two, Tron Legacy. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't go over well at all. And I think part of the problem is because at that point, people know how computers mm. work. Like even normal people get a good idea of because we use them all the time. By this point, you've got like like smartphones mm-hmm. and stuff so people are used to and they know it's not magic glowing elves i remember when the movie came out it was it was chad's joke so the programs go to a bar is that like an ipod or something like what is right. that and that's and that's why that doesn't go over and i think spies kind of suffer that same fate that after finding out all the dark gritty stuff that happens in real life and finding out that real spies aren't james bond they're these like average nebbish looking guys because the suave dude that stands out would get picked up as the spy and shot Pretty on sight yep. and then that's why it, it, it doesn't ring true so that's what kind of leads to sort of the the, the, the the collapse of it again except for James Bond because he's the one that survives and he becomes the template for spies for a long time after
2: right and that makes sense okay
3: he gets to be rebooted though too, right? So yeah, with with every time there's a new James Bond, it's a new James Bond yeah. for a new generation, and that you can you can re, remakes the formula one way or another. I thought you were going to be going a different direction, Don. I thought you were going to be going like um, spies have become much more involved in technological stuff, mm-hmm. right? So because when you think when you think of Tron, and I was thinking about, I was thinking of like mm-hmm. interspace. Space. Right, right. Because there's that's there's a whole spy thing going on there, but it's all based on technology, and he's just this normal dude who got dragged into it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, For that reason, and then you get into the weird spy kid things for the same stuff later on, right? Where there's some very weird sort of
0: well, kind um, of (laughs) except stuff
3: that comes on with that.
0: But that that's just the MacGuffin. Even if you think about the the spy kids films, their parents are James Bond. Right. It's it's again it's that attempt to freshen up because around that same time he had James Bond mm. Junior. on TV who who is who is James's quote unquote nephew yeah, on yeah, the sure. show. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was a cartoon. Oh
3: jeez,
0: <laughs> it was like a, an animated like a mm. '90s thing, yes. James Bond Junior. Right. It was it was as good as yep. you think. <laughs> Be, because if you look what ends up happening, you get to like the born identity and then that makes all the money and James Bond comes back and makes all the money. So nowadays espionage stories kind of come in two flavors. You're either James Bond or the result of a secret government super soldier program. Yeah, that's
2: pretty common. That's true.
0: And that, and that's kind of where it's kind of where we're at again because it's, or you're doing documentaries because most of the really well-known spies since, like the aughts have been real-life ones. You've got like, uh, like Nick Snowden mm-hmm. and uh, Assange and the uh, oh, I can't remember remember her name now. That um, <clears throat> that did the big data hack from, yeah, from uh her, yeah. from 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 the American government, right. so
3: and she's still Chelsea yeah remaining. yeah she's still locked up
1: yeah
0: yeah and. And then that's the idea because again, we now have an idea of how real spies work, and then that kind of, that's kind of where everybody's attention goes. We don't need the, uh, the 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 other movies and that that kind of take off, are usually documentaries or based on like a, a real event, no matter how loose. Yeah,
2: it's usually. I mean, there are there are as I, we referenced earlier, there are. St- tv shows like homeland for example there was one called quantico we do get we do have spy tv it's still around it's
3: and does blacklist uh the blacklist
0: it it, it's again i think i think a lot of those shows what they're doing is they're not exactly spy shows they're from from the cut because the blacklist is basically an investigator series same with person of interest And, and yeah yeah and a lot of the other ones, like like Homeland and Quantico and that, they're basically like like uh, cop shows with Feds. Yep. They're they're kind of borrowing hmm. some of those hmm. trappings, but they're not exactly espionage shows because it's not really about espionage. It's 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 about who do you work for? He who do you works. work for?
1: <laughs> Look out! <laughs>
2: So we actually skipped like, over, in the aughts, we skipped over a major spy thing, depending on what, what you talk about, that actually produced those. 24.
0: He mentioned Johnny English. Oh.
3: 24, yeah. I was going to say, I I think those shows, though, I think those are really counter-spy shows.
0: They they are, but in a lot of ways, too, they're, um, they're kind of the spy show going back because they're essentially cops like 24 is basically a cop um, show.
3: Right, but it's but it's a, it's an organization designed to be able to break um uh, to stop uh people from utilizing espionage to whatever their reasons yeah. right? Um, yeah. so it's it's not your regular cop, it's more like a super cop in that respect. So mm-hmm. uh they cuz yeah, they're 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 the they're they have their own acronym too for that particular reason. I forget what their right. acronym is. Mm-hmm. NC it's like NCIS or something, but it it's not. That's another show. The other there there is one though I was thinking of more recently and that's travelers.
2: I've been watching okay.
3: in a very mm-hmm. weird way, tra- travelers well, travelers the story of travelers is um people in the future the earth oh. is cooked. It's just it's destroyed. And so they send back people's consciousnesses. But they do it in such a way as they have to wait because they know when people are gonna die. So the moment somebody has like a like a brain hemorrhage, that's when they take over their conscious and totally wipe out that person's uh mm-hmm. existence and then they're there. They can't send a person back physically. They can only send back their brain. And so their whole job is to infiltrate uh the the twenty first century and make specific changes into into mm. the time. So that they can try to be able to change the future, so that you know the planet. So is they're
2: kitty pride from Days of Future Past.
3: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot about that. You're absolutely right. That's yeah. Exactly there right. are
2: there are a whole bunch of kitty prides, and some of them are good guys, and some of them are bad guys, probably.
3: Yeah, yeah, and well, well, for the most part, they're they're they are they they have not Well, I haven't gone too, I haven't gone too far, and I think I'm only in the first season. It's one of those things. Is like, yeah, I I kind of know where this mm, right. is going, sort of. But a lot of people love it, like love the show. It's on Netflix. And it stars uh Will mm-hmm. from Will and Grace. Um mm-hmm. as, as well as a bunch of other people. And you know, part of the interesting thing is is that they're still like pretending to be the people that right. they took over. So there's one guy who's like in his like teens and he's like a forty year old in real life. So he's talking to his dad, <laughs> you know, from being a teen to being this adult. No, Dad, you make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I should do that instead. He's like, well,
1: I'm not sure now. <laughs> you know, so, right.
3: Yeah, so it, there's, there's that element of, and that's where I mean it's interesting because it is total espionage, right? right? It's totally mm. spy stuff, but utilizing sci fi to well, be. Well, there's, able to there's actually
2: a whole thing. genre. There's a whole genre called Spy Fi, they call it. Um, oh, okay. Spy Fi genre of spy fiction includes elements of, of uh, science fiction um let's see what else Mm -hmm. generally speaking yeah that would be considered one of them uh what else travelers would be one the ones that basically like where they're really like some of the james bond films are spy-fi like especially some of the roger moore ones where you get like a moonraker for example
1: Mm -hmm.
2: like that's spy-fi Where like it's so far beyond current technology here's a weird
3: one Hmm? because you can argue it's not and it is the man in the high castle oh that's true because it's yeah. alternate earth right yeah so it's not really science fiction in the same way but i guess it becomes science fiction when they figure out a right. way to like flip it back but the so it, it really is set in a period but it is very much all about you know uh secret agents pulling the stuff off and that the americans is is a is a perfect example of a regular spy show that's modern right. day, wouldn't you say it's yeah. not set in modern days I haven't it yeah it, but i just know the setup yeah, yeah. But you know what i mean it's, it's contemporary it's for, the time, yeah. for the time
2: it'll be interesting to see it, it, i guess we're definitely not it, in a government is awesome phase right now so we're i can see why we're not getting a whole lot of uh you know protecting the country spy films are just not going to be popular for a bit
0: well, right it depends depends who you ask true but i
2: i don't see um, well you know you'll notice that we're in a lull for james bond films at the moment and we have been for a bit supposedly there's another one yeah. coming I think there might even be one intended for this fall, but it's mm-hmm. off, but it's been delayed because of, uh, you know, the virus.
0: Yeah.
3: The Femme Nikita, Salt. Oh yeah. There's all these ones which are like spy, spy women. And they are at one point, just like you said, Rob, they're all cut off from what they were doing. Cause they either, they either step outside of their mission yep. parameters and get cut off or you can't trust the people that are yeah, involved
2: exactly. as well. Yeah, um, exactly. Hannah on, well, um, oh, what is Columbiana. it? So Amazon Prime, there's Hannah. Yep. yep they, Am- Amazon Prime. They do those Prime. constantly, yeah. Yeah, but...
3: Didn't yes, they do a movie it's it, it's about yeah.
2: it's, it's about a girl super soldier. Yeah, I yeah.
3: saw that on Netflix originally. Yeah,
0: yeah basically. That, yep. Red Barrow? Isn't, isn't, isn't yep. that the same? Because I know, like, isn't Salt the same idea that she's, like, the product of, like, some super secret training thing and...
3: Yeah.
0: Like that's that's what they're doing they they're basically all like the the born yeah. identity. Yeah,
2: they're usually versions right. of it. Um oh, actually there was supposed to be a uh No Time to Die. Did that come out? It no, went lens. No, oh no, yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. No, tw- it's supposed yeah. to be out. It's the
3: first one yeah, that was supposed supposedly. To be out. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, that's
2: the James Bond out. movie, but we actually had a, there were a couple years for there were there was yep. no Bond for a couple years there. I think and I don't even know how this one'll do because but again, it'll probably be um, yeah. It'll probably again be he'll be out on his own because he'll be cut off from the organization. You bet. You can bet your money they'll do that.
3: <laughs> I think it was Daniel Craig that held them back from that because he didn't know yeah. he was going to play it, and they were wondering whether they where they should go from that. I don't think it. They they've been making a ton of money with the James Bonds, mm-hmm. and the reason is is because they're focused on the on his character and his angst. That draws in yes. a different yeah. demographic, right? Yeah. So they're trying to hit a couple of demographics instead of just going with the straightforward action flick stuff that we but, used to have with James Bond.
0: You know what else I think it is, though? I think a part of it, and I think this is one of the reasons why you always see like the hero cut off from his organization, is just nobody knows mm-hmm. how to write that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like when when you look at how these organizations work, they're not organizations. There's no organization. What's the hierarchy? Um, what's what's the uh, the the dissension of tasks? Like who does what? Well, this is like the weapons guy because like Q was always cool, and this is like the boss who thinks our hero is a loose cannon. And then there's a bunch of other people yeah, wandering around. Like,
3: well, that goes back to the pulp days, though, right? Like like I said, Doc Savage, the Shadow, everybody had their place and mm-hmm. their point, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So they they were all part of the same organization, but they had specific jobs and, and stuff to, that they needed to do for those reasons.
1: Yeah, no. but now
3: Also, it... Adventures by Morse is one that I've been listening to a lot right now um, by um, Carlton E. Morse, who wrote a lot of stuff. And he, it's fascinating listening to it because he was so popular, but basically he's writing soap operas in an adventure format. Because mm-hmm. Very little happens, and a lot of dramatic stuff happens in the stories. They're overwritten. That's why I find mm. soap operas are overwritten. You know what mm. I mean? So that you don't have a lot of movement, but you have a lot of, I can't believe you did that. What do you mean I can't believe you did that? <laughs> I mean, I can't believe you did that. You said that before, but what do you right, mean? Like, that's right, the kind yeah. of conversations they have. Whereas if you were looking at this <laughs> as a movie, you'd cut out all that nonsense and right. get to the next part, right? Right. So I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I'm going to try and write something like that myself just for fun's sake to see if okay. I can write something. All so. right. So
1: I th-
2: at that note, I think we probably I have, uh, we, I think we've reached the end for this little journey into Spidem. So um, any final thoughts, Jack, before we go?
3: I, I w- always will watch uh, both a heist movie and a spy movie because I just want to see mm-hmm. where they're going with them. Because I, I, I think there's, I think, there's a part of all of us that kind of loves mm. the trick. Yeah. Who's being tricked yeah. mm. and why. And, and you're just sort mm-hmm. of intrigued by that. And that goes, like I said, right back to mission impossible. I love those as a kid. I think I'm going to check them out again. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for coming show. on Jack.
0: Don, mm-hmm. any final thoughts? Well, there's kind of, okay. I got yeah, sure. two sort of weird ones. One is, after, like, talking about it, the idea of, like, what a spy story is and how it works, I think this is one of those genres that's very sensitive mm-hmm. to the world around it. And I think, again, it's it's because in a lot of ways they draw mm-hmm. so much from the world. that Like we were just saying, they're, like, part of whether or not it's going to be a gritty story or, like, an upbeat heroic one depends on how you feel about whoever's in authority at the moment. And I'm thinking there's got to be a term for that specific kind of soap opera overwriting because w- when Jack talks about soaps, that's how I always felt about superhero American comics. American superhero comics
2: are horribly overwritten.
0: Yeah, but but to the point, there's there's the one. It's like the original Secret Wars. It's it's that one panel where it's like Captain America is like, we have to stop them. Hulk quick. Use your super strength to bend that alien metal and disable their vehicle. And the Hulk, the pictures, the Hulk doing it and everybody running around and Hulk's going, "Bah! when well you can bend super hard alien steel with your bare hands, like me, then I'll listen. And one of the villains is like, gasp. He's bending the super hard alien steel of our attack. Yeah. And, and there's gotta be, a, there's gotta be a specific, we have to come up with a specific right. name well, for that's that. a
2: side effect of the way they made those comics. <clears throat> that's a-
0: well, in well, soap operas, well, of in stuff.
2: soap operas, sometimes I wonder if they're just filling time. Like, you'll you'll find some of that <laughs> stuff going on in uh, web novels and that too, where they're writing online serials. And remember, it's if they're they're you know each each part they're they got their word counts that they're trying to get out for each part as fast as they possibly can. And yeah, I reached the word count for today. I'm done. And um, editing? Huh, who cares? Um, and so, end result is they're just filling time, really it's and again it doesn't have to be bending alien metal it, it can it can just be i'm not sure if i love bob wait i think i do love him oh no wait no 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 he's not really that good Ah, and, oh, and it goes on like that but you know
3: and then you review exactly. about what you knew about Bob you know, <laughs> in your past, which you just exactly. read last issue kind of thing. Exactly. You have to go through the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it just goes
2: people. on and on and on. So, all right. <laughs> um, and I guess my final thought is Mission Impossible is awesome. but And that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. My actual final <laughs> thought is this, is that if... any any listeners have not actually gone back and watched some of the 60s spy stuff especially by mission especially mission impossible um or and and maybe i spy like i said i'll link to it in the show notes you can go watch it and if you can find man from uncle good on youtube um go back and watch some of this stuff you can skip get smart but uh danger man secret agent's pretty good too <laughs> no
3: don't Never don't, skip get smart. Yeah, no. It was clever. I, it was clever. That's, that's
2: again that's you're running into one of yeah. Rob's quirks, which is you guys should know this by now. I don't actually like straight comedies. I like stuff like Get Smart drives me nuts. I don't actually enjoy it at all.
3: You only like <laughs> straight as in like Well, there's that too. But comedy.
2: um I I like my comedy gay because that's the best way. Um but no, not just that. The fact that <laughs> okay. um no, when I talk about straight comedy, I mean one that's where it's just kind of like, okay, gag, 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 gag. And I don't mean my reflex, although that's often what's happening too. Oh, okay. um, I'm referring to the just like joke-a-minute <laughs> comedy stuff like that. I don't find Get Smart that clever or that funny. I don't know why. I never have. And stuff like it, I don't... Mm. The same reason why I can't watch superhero parodies. Like, to me, I mm. just don't like mm. them. They're just not funny. Not at all. Like,
3: so you hated Galaxy I Quest. I did like
2: Galaxy Quest. Okay, oh I'll, I'll but Galaxy Quest was well written and clever enough. There are exceptions and Galaxy Quest is one of them. It was it a was. brilliant it was.
3: screenplay, yeah. I think. Honestly. Galaxy
2: Quest yeah. is not perfect. So, yeah. I like I'm lukewarm about the ending, but but overall no. it's so endearing and I'm too much of Me a too. Trek fan, so yeah. But most even most Trek parodies I hate them <laughs> too.
3: And to be fair, Galaxy Quest is so cleverly written. You make and that's watch it that's I think
2: what works. Parody. I like the stuff to where it basically you yeah. could watch it straight and enjoy it, or if you're in on the joke, you can enjoy it. That to me yes. is funny. But the stuff where it's just like nonstop gags, yep. yeah, that's yeah, that's why the first season, first yeah. couple episodes of the Orville didn't work that well for me. But once it settled into something a little more steady, it was pretty good. Anyway, so I'm way off yep. tangent, and yep. I wish everyone who's listened to this a good night, <laughs> sleep tight, and uh, don't let the poison spiders bite. The one that's under your pillow. Exactly. From COVID. <laughs> good night, folks. Talk to <laughs> you later. Bye.
0: And I'll, always always remember, if anyone catches you listening to this podcast, your family will disavow any knowledge of this you.
2: This podcast will detonate in three, two, one.